Lord, this morning we celebrate that wonderful truth that your strength is perfect in our weakness. For those who need to understand that at a greater depth, we pray your Holy Spirit will bless us through this text today, for we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever had the frustration of purchasing something that has to be assembled, only to find that when you open the box and you get into it, that a piece is missing? Jay Mitchell was telling us how last Christmas Eve he bought a new bike for one of his children and he had to assemble it and he got home after the 12 o'clock service, it was the middle of the night, started proceeding to put the bike together and found that one vital screw was missing and the bike couldn't be perfect without it. So he scrambled all over, even started taking the gymnasium set apart in the backyard, anything to get that screw so the bike would be there for the kids in the morning. Reflecting on that kind of frustration, I applied it to our lives and thought, isn't it true? that most of us struggle on the personal level with a missing piece somewhere in our lives, a piece without which we just don't feel complete. Maybe it was education we were not able to acquire or affection, intimacy, marriage, parenting that we crave and it just didn't happen or a physical or emotional deficiency that forces us to walk through life with a limp while everybody else seems to be running a race unhindered or even an unfulfilled dream or a tragic loss that we just can't get off our minds. Actually, missing pieces today are as different as our names, and we know that. One thing they have in common, they gain lots of our attention. So I wanna ask, what's your missing piece? One of my favorite chapters in the life of Paul the Apostle was his struggle with God, reflected in the words of Corinthians where uh, he struggled with God with this thing he called a thorn in his flesh. And he says, three times I asked God to take it away, and three times God said no. Our text highlights a vi vital biblical truth that if we can understand it, apply it to our lives, we're going to find peace. Because it's that strange truth that we are more whole when we have a missing peace than we are if we aren't aware we have a missing piece because that vacuum drives us to Jesus. And if we get driven to Jesus, we fulfill the basic primary purpose of our life. So let's look at this scripture. The first truth is God doesn't always restore missing pieces, but he always uses them for good in our lives. Paul writes, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surprisingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And God's answer when Paul begged to have his thorn removed was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know, that's a beautiful statement. Now, we don't know what Paul's thorn was. You know, that's probably good because now every one of us can say, maybe Paul suffered from what I suffer from. But we can say generically, Missing pieces are those areas in our lives that make us feel incomplete, unfulfilled, and cause chronic pain, maybe even anger and bitterness. One thing is certain, we think about them too often. They're kind of in our face every day. We compare ourselves with others who don't have the same struggle, and we feel, God, you've been unfair. Doug Lawrence was talking last Tuesday as we were going over this sermon about his missing piece, and he described how he lost his father when he was only a, a very young boy, and how all his life he's been searching for someone to fill that vacancy. 
I think one of the great stretches of our faith is to believe that God does something good out of these what seem to be missing pieces, hindrances to our fulfillment as a human being. And we just don't know why God doesn't fill that vacuum. Now, now here's where we get into trouble. Failing to trust that God can take missing pieces and make them good causes many of us to take matters into our own hands. We jump ahead with God, ahead of God, we get going with our own plans, and we shoot ourselves in the foot. You see, frantically trying to fill that empty space with something less than God's best, and we know it's less than God's best, causes all kinds of problems, and we've seen them happen. Someone enters a wrong relationship to fill loneliness because they couldn't wait for God. Or we live at supersonic pace, acquiring, investing, consuming, only to discover that no matter how fast we go, or what we achieve, or what we acquire, that vacuum in our souls remains. Because nothing fits there but Jesus Christ. You see, the text tells us this profound truth about Paul. Once Paul put Jesus at the center of his life, he was able to make peace with this thorn in the flesh because he realized something very phenomenal about it. His weakness was driving him, him into the arms of Jesus. And that gave him a different kind of strength and delight. His whole idea of fulfillment changed. Where on the human level, he thought he needed this to be complete. When he put Jesus into that vacuum in his heart, he realized he didn't need anything but Jesus. Everything else could come in God's time and God's way. You know, as you reflect on this, think about your own experience. How many times has God enabled you to at least taste of what you thought would satisfy your deepest hunger, your fondest dreams, fill in your missing piece, like a new job, a promotion, a higher salary, a new home, car, marriage, children, a relationship, restoration of health. You finally got it. And you know, the agony of that experience is we discover in a very short time that our satisfaction is short-lived. It's deficient. And the reason is that that emptiness in our heart can't be filled with anything out there but Jesus. And sometimes we just don't get it. You see, even good things, when they become the sole focus of what we think will bring us fulfillment, if we look to something out there to fulfill us in a way only God can, we're absolutely doomed to disappointment. Why is that? Well, we sort of know from the Bible, we were created in the image of God. And that simply means that only the presence of Jesus can ultimately satisfy that God-shaped vacuum that God put there so we would relate to him. And we're always sticking in other things, and that's why so many, even Christians, are frustrated. We're eating the wrong diet. We're consuming the wrong thing for our soul food. Remember the truth of the old hymn. I, I, I find myself humming this often. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full into his wonderful face. And then what happens? And the things of earth, these other things that we think will bring us fulfillment, they grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I'm sure one lesson then God would have us learn this morning is missing pieces are good if they awaken us to the fact that Jesus is the only treasure in the world that can ultimately satisfy. Once we have learned that, we've found with Paul that we can even rejoice in our missing pieces. That's what faith enables us to do because Jesus satisfies that much. 
This leads us to a second truth. If God doesn't fill in our missing piece, he can give us a new attitude of acceptance. And that becomes a source of joy and strength. And that's another paradox of the Christian faith. Listen to what happened to Paul. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And don't we do that? But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul accepted that, and now this is what happened. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. What a profound answer to so much of the chaos in our lives. What a miracle. Paul, if you notice what he's doing, he's delighting. He's boasting in those things we're usually complaining to God about. He's not delusional. What's happened here is he's experienced a radical change of attitude. He's been given a new criteria by which he keeps the scorecard of his worth. And that change in perspective can only be explained by an intervention of God. And that intervention, I wish for all of us this morning. You see, rather than continue to whine in his prayers about his missing piece, saying, God, I can't be happy, I can't be fulfilled unless you give me this, Paul is now experiencing the power of God in ways he never imagined. The power of being able to live with a missing piece and still be fulfilled because if we have Jesus, he's all we need. Joy has replaced bitterness as he delights and boasts about the miracles that enables, through Jesus, that enables him to put up with all the stuff in his life, the pain, the agony, the persecutions. And I'll offer you that only a person who's in relationship with Jesus can make the astounding statement that when I'm weak, I'm strong, and okay, God, if you leave the missing piece out of my life, I'm still going to honor you and be fulfilled. Let's just look at one deeper point here. You see, God so changed Paul's attitude, he no longer sees his thorn as a handicap, robbing him of fulfillment. It's, it's really, if you analyze it, it's a treasure that binds him to his Lord. It's a source of strength, and, and it's a gift to be used for the benefit of others through his ministry. Paul couldn't have ministered to us today if he hadn't lived with that thorn. You know, I can't begin to recount the many doors to ministry that have been opened to others because of my experience with various thorns. You've heard about them through the years if you've been attending here. I, I remember uh, panic attacks that I've told you about and Bell's palsy and, and, and really a lot of thorns in my past. And I was discussing with my elders this week, my, I think my greatest thorn, and that's my struggle with God about my thorn in public speaking. I've been preaching now for 38 years. And you know, God has never taken away my stress in being in front of people delivering a sermon. And people will always say, well, every time you say that, I can't even believe it. You look so relaxed up there. I'm never relaxed up here. Uh, I, I, I think one of the real mysteries of God is why would he call a guy who really is afraid of being in front of people to have to preach and he never lets me off the hook? There's some ministers I know who thrive. They, they, their happiest moments are in the pulpit. And would that God would do that for me, but he never has. But you know what's happened? is because of this thorn 
I have to pray probably more than the average preacher because I couldn't get up here without it. We have that little pre-prayer group over in my office now before every service. We pray in here. And why is that? Because I can't do it. But God does. And the miracle is that then when something happens through my preaching, my very weakness has opened up a vehicle for God to bless you. It's not wall up here. It's him through me. That's kind of a miracle. Another thing is I try to get all my team up here as often as I can. That way you get to hear all the preachers here rather than me hog the whole show. God, God has many ways of taking a thorn and making it a blessing. I can't really say I get down on my knees and praise God every day that I'm still under stress when I preach. But I can see after 38 years he's using it. I'm reminded of that great story regarding Beethoven's life. You've heard it, but I, I, I just wanted to tell it again today. At the zenith of his career, remember, the composer was stricken with a progressive disease that left him totally deaf. He retreated to a monastery, seeking some kind of divine help to deal with his thorn, and God gave him a surprising answer, much like Paul's. He didn't relieve him of his deafness. He began to hear new music in his mind and he wrote furiously and he transferred silent sounds to musical notes of praise and of joy and power, giving glory to God. And the result was that famous Ninth Symphony performed for the first time in Vienna and Beethoven was standing there watching the conductor lead the orchestra and he could feel the music vibrations through his feet. And at the end of the crescendo of that great uh, piece, there was thunderous applause. And, and Beethoven was turned around by the conductor so he could see the audience giving him this applause. And there was also a restoration of Beethoven back into his greatness in the musical community. Now we know that symphony from the hymn we sang earlier in this service, one of my favorite. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory. That's what came out of Beethoven's thorn. And we sang it as praise to God. That's what God does with a thorn. Isn't it incredible that after losing his hearing, Beethoven wrote a symphony of joy and praise. You see, God changed Beethoven's attitude toward his missing piece, his lack of hearing, and it became a blessing to the world. Is deafness good? No. Is a thorn in the flesh good? Is cancer good? Are our handicaps good? No. Paul says they could be messengers of Satan. Let's be very careful we don't praise God for thorns. We praise God for what he can do with them. Now, before I close, I need to talk to you who don't identify with a missing piece in your life. You sat here and you say, well, you know, I hear you, but I, I just don't understand a missing piece because I'm, I'm pretty fulfilled. And I don't understand a relationship with Jesus that would bring strength out of weakness because I'm really not aware of my weakness. I want to suggest that no matter how rich your life might be this morning, if you lack a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you indeed are missing a vital piece. And sometimes your speed and full calendar and preoccupation with other things is just an anesthesia dulling you to the pain in your soul because there's pain there if you don't know Christ. I've asked a, a friend of mine, Wally Holly, to share his story with you that he gave at Straight Talk some time ago because it's a story, I believe, that speaks to that person who's not yet identified his or her missing piece. Wally, come up to the pulpit. Welcome. A 
Frequently we hear testimonies about people coming to know Jesus Christ through some kind of crisis, be it a loss of a loved one, a terminal disease, perhaps serious problems in a marriage or a career. My story is considerably different in how I came to know Jesus. It was simply one of evolution. When I was six years old, my father was killed in the Second World War and my mother was left with four children, the oldest of which was eight. Unfortunately, she blamed God and didn't want anything to do with the church and therefore we weren't encouraged to have anything to do with the church. So I grew up an unchurched kid. Now if we fast forward to about 15 years ago when I was in my mid-40s, my life looked like this. I had a terrific wife, two lovely children, doing well in school, no problems. Family had its health. I had formed a venture fund here in Silicon Valley, so I was financially very secure. And because I formed the fund, I had no organizational ladders to climb or politics to worry about. And here I was in Silicon Valley, the center of the world's technological development, great place to live. What's wrong with this picture? Well, there's nothing wrong with the picture, but was it complete and was I really fulfilled in what I was doing in my daily life? So I began, without any particular purpose or objective, to pick up books about stories in the Bible and biblical characters. I didn't know what I was doing, but obviously God was working in my life. And I guess if there was a seminal event, it occurred at a Christmas cocktail party where I found myself listening to some of my colleagues in the community talking about their financial successes. And it somehow at Christmas time just didn't seem quite right to me. So my wife and I found ourselves with another couple over in a corner and I learned about a Bible study. And I went to the Bible study and then I started going to church. And about nine years ago, I gave my life to Jesus. I decided I was going to be part-time in venture capital. I tried to do that, it didn't work. So in 1996, I decided not to join the latest fund that my firm was raising, and instead to devote myself to organizations in the nonprofit and spiritual sector. And that's the dominant force in my life today. Examples include being on the National Board of Young Life. I formed a Christian venture partnership group to help spiritual organizations grow, much the same as we built organizations in the Profit Center. And what's the bottom line? The bottom line is an incredible heightened sense of joy and satisfaction, something far beyond anything I ever had in the financial world. Essentially, I'm on a journey. Max Lucado says that Christians are God's projects under construction, and that certainly describes me. When you think about it, I got off autopilot, a very comfortable autopilot. <coughs> and move towards something else. And for those of you who might be on your own personal autopilot, I would hope for God's work in your heart to show you what his purpose is for you. Because what I have found is a tremendous sense of increased abundance that is promised us by Jesus. In essence, the missing piece for me was not a small shapeless piece that you put in a puzzle and complete the picture. The missing piece for me was when I inserted it, it changed the whole mosaic of my life. 
And I praise God for that. Thank you. You know, Jesus asked us an important question. He said, what will it profit people if they gain the whole world and lose their own souls? And he was talking about that missing piece that only he can fill. The ultimate missing piece in every human heart is the God-shaped vacuum Jesus wants to fill. Perhaps brought you here today to hear another opportunity to open the door and let him in. For you who have no felt needs, no missing pieces that you've identified, I believe God did bring you here today to consider your spiritual needs. And maybe God's calling you to get your priorities, your scorecards aligned with the values of Jesus. And when you do that, you're going to find what Wally found. He found a joy that was, couldn't even be compared with a life before Jesus that looked perfect, but it was dull by comparison. And then for the rest of us who struggle with missing pieces every day, let's remember that through trusting our Savior's timing and His love, our areas of weakness can become areas of greatest strength, sources of joy and delight. You see, the bottom line is a missing piece can be a blessing or a curse in the life of a Christian. It's really a choice each one of us have to make of what it will be. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, thank you for the challenge that Scripture always raises in our lives. We thank you for its truth. We pray your Holy Spirit will help each one of us to accept it right in that area of life where we need to hear it today. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen.